Welcome to the Thought Leader podcast, um, where we talk about aliens and uh, humans and all of the interactions in between. I'm Dr. Kent. I'm Randy Baker, and today's episode is kind of interesting and different. We talk about golden threads, and we talk about Sigourney Weaver, and we talk about, well, you just have to listen to the rest of the interview to find out. See, I hadn't thought about that before, but threads and weaver, we got another connection yeah, there. Yeah, and also, it was kind of fun to start this episode this way, because usually Randy thinks we go all around the world to meet people, and this time he would have said we have, said we have to uh, go around the cosmos. Go around oh, cosmos, of course. So I didn't even say who we were talking to. I just, it was such a fantastic interview. Um, we're talking to uh, Holly Woods. She's a doctor of really awesome stuff and she will indoctrinate you potentially you'll have to see you'll have to see so here we go here's our interview with holly woods so hello dr holly or dr woods uh just how about holly (laughs) nice so holly nice to see you and um so i'm curious are you named after a person after the lovely plant, what's how were you named Holly? Well, I was born in November, I guess, which is close enough to Christmas that there was some interest. It's a it's a longer story, but my parents evidently did not name me Holly Woods on purpose. It was an accident, and they didn't discover it till got home. And my great grandmother laughed and said, "Oh, how funny!" <laughs> and they were horrified. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But they stuck, the, their, they stuck to their they stuck to their intuition. Well, it was on the birth certificate. <laughs> How well, has it treated been, you? It's been a challenge, as you can imagine, at least early in my life. Uh, but everybody's name is fodder for ridicule when you're a kid. So I don't actually think I had it worse than most. And as an adult, I've just grown used to having a name that people want to talk about and laugh with me. And so it's actually a great introductory you know, icebreaker. Um, I've come to appreciate that I had this very strange name. So when I was when I was younger, we had a a holly bush in our in our yard, and apart from the red berries, which were great, but they made a mess all over the place. They dropped off. <laughs> the the leaves are really sharp and prickly and pointy. Very. So, what is the prickly parts <laughs> of holly that you'd love to tell us about? Oh, that's a fascinating question. I appreciate that, Randy. Nobody's ever asked me that one. And I can tell you right away. I I know. So one of the facets of my own purpose is to speak powerful truths. Early in my life, this is always one of the things I say, you know, we may, our soul may be pulling us forward to be on truth, on purpose our whole life. So we kind of always do the things that were, that are purposeful, but we don't always do them well. And so while I'm a truth speaker, I didn't do that productively <laughs> the first half of my life. And, and I do see things very clearly and, and can speak powerful truths, but I didn't, I didn't do it in compassionate, kind, loving ways. Um, I, you know, probably the first 20 or so, maybe 30 years of my life, it was just truth, you know, like a, 
like I would vomit on somebody and it would be intrusive and pointed and not necessarily helpful or constructive. So I've had to work on that quite a bit of my life. Actually even became a professional mediator as a means of working through how do you speak truth in ways that others can hear and use the information and and um, adapt or change or transition or whatever so that we can all become better people and learn to be with each other in useful ways. So I, it was it was pretty pointed and prickly <laughs> initially. So speaking of pointed and prickly, no, I, that doesn't really work. I I, I was trying here. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I'm thinking about the I'm thinking about that scene in Alien where the um, the alien comes out through was it Sigourney Weaver's mm -hmm. body and just kind of emerges. <laughs> so because I'm thinking about emergence, um, mm -hmm. which is the name of your brand in a way, mm -hmm. and it's the concept that people have applied to the work that I do for years. Mm. And where I got my training was in music, and in music, emergence is actually fairly acceptable right mm -hmm. so oh that mm -hmm. person can improvise they can create something on the fly they can just right. um sort of spin it out in front of them they can play in a way so i'm curious how you stumbled into the concept of emergence and kind of how it applies yeah i love talking about this so as i've i've had to do a lot of personal development work over the years and and thus i ended up in my own you know way in the world, self-healing, but also learning how to help others move through their barriers and hurdles so they can become more potentiated in their work and life. And in this process, I learned a lot about, you know, creating conditions in which we can identify what's not going well, which we often call failure, and recoup our energy and or make pivots or transitions in our life. And as I learned to do that better and better in my own life, I realized that the more space I created for what's next, not having an expectation about what comes next, but just creating the opportunity for things to emerge, I was more likely to be successful in that next thing because I was allowing it and I, I mean, I love that you use the word improvise, which, you know, denotes a, I don't know the Latin root of, of that word, but I, it, it is spontaneous and it, it indicates spontaneity and um, which I also, some synchronicity is required, you know, it's not random, it's like things show up that really fit the moment. And so I, I began studying emergence as I got into this and, you know, the science of emergence really is about taking things apart, deconstructing them in a way that they can then come back into a higher order. And so the emergence of our lives and our work really is, is allowing ourselves to fail, creating safe conditions in which we can learn and fail appropriately so that it doesn't, you know, totally destabilize our lives, but lets us continually improvise in the moment and then come back together in a more coherent and useful and productive way. And just so over and over and over, that's how we grow into the next versions of ourselves. And I'm, I'm about emergence and evolution and learning to become more of ourselves, a more productive version of ourselves over time. 
It's the little alien coming out of Sigourney Weaver <laughs> resonates with you. No, I'm, I'm kidding. So, but you mentioned Latin, uh, and so I had to do it just a, a little dive as you were speaking. And Thank yes, you. I'm right. That it is a, it's got that Latin root, so improvisus, which is unforeseen. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. thought of that. I love words, the energy of words and what the they, history. you know, there's, there's so much about words that we don't realize we're speaking something and have, don't really have a sense of what we're speaking. This is the whole truth thing. <laughs> I love knowing exactly what I'm, what I'm actually indicating as I speak. So one of the things I really love, I'm, I'm looking at your website right now, Holly, one of the things I really love about that is you talk about purpose, emergence, being in flow, all sorts of really cool words. Um, now, I understand that purpose can emerge over time, that what your purpose was when you were 14 is very different to what it is when you're in your 60s like myself, and that at some point, we as humans start questioning what our purpose really is. In fact, I think most most humans do that. How do you assist people to allow their real purpose to emerge? So I'm going to just walk back into an assumption you made there. I I believe having you know having been in this field and doing this work for several decades now, what I notice is that our purpose doesn't change, but our expression of purpose changes significantly over time and across the stages of our life. And that was my book, The Golden Thread. So one of the things I do is actually help people find that thread in their lives. So I believe I've witnessed that our souls are trying to get us to express itself fully throughout our life. And that early on in life, it's going to express itself fully appropriately in that developmental stage. So as a child, we'd express it in a particular way, and that would be full and appropriate for that stage. And then it would shift in each other stage, you know, adolescence and young adulthood. And so I help people actually go back and find the patterns of what they've been attempting to express in their lifetime and there are always these patterns. It's I've never met somebody that didn't have this thread. And we may express it more or less productively, like I described, you know, one of the facets for my purpose is to speak powerful truths. I've always been expressing it, but I didn't express it well. And I didn't use that facet of my purpose well early in life. So it wasn't until I learned how to use it. So the how-to is initially about finding those patterns across the stages and then figuring out what is a next expression that really excites you and enlivens you and awakens you and inspires you. So, you know, there's always the next thing that we're meant to do. I, I'm a red thread guy. I'm always talking about pulling the threads together and, and the red. I'm I'm actually fascinated by speaking of etymology and, and history of things. Think of how amazing a thread is, you know, in history. I, mm -hmm. You know, they, we would use animal guts for gut strings on a, on an instrument. We wouldn't have that if we didn't have this concept of a thread to tie right. things together. So, mm -hmm. so why golden? What's the golden part? Um, you know, it's fascinating. I didn't make that up. That didn't come out of my head or my my conscious, you know, my awake awareness. Uh, it's not a mental conception. 
I actually saw the golden thread I, as I was working with clients. So I'm, I was my first case study. You know, I, I came upon this very organically, like, as I was trying to figure out who I am and what I am here for and looking across my, you know, seemingly disastrous, traumatic-filled and circuitous path, like, what is all this about? And I studied it intensively. And then I raised kids, four kids and did the same with them. And then I started using this with clients. And at some point, I got good enough at seeing the patterns that one day, literally, I saw a thread. I'm very clairvoyant and clairaudient, so I see things other people can't see. But there was literally a golden thread. Like, what? <laughs> I just, like, I, I had, you know, it made no sense to me. Like, there is a thread here in your life. So I called it The Golden Thread. And lo and behold, there are a couple of other books out there called The Golden Thread. So I think I'm not the only one. And, and uh, Michael Mead actually writes about a golden thread. So I, this isn't something I imagined. I'm, I'm just naming it as it exists in us. So it feels very concrete to me. And most of us aren't aware of it. Um, but it, it, you know, it also denotes the richness of our lives, the, the sacred quality of who we are and what we're here to express and the, the, the unique, you know, one in 400 quadrillion version of us. There was actually an equation to make up that number that lives on this planet at this time. Who's here to, we're here to do something that's important, um, so it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a mental conception or a brand. <laughs> so Holly, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned trauma. I don't wish to pry, but how did that inform your progress toward doing what you're currently doing? Was there, was there a turning event that, that moved you in that direction? You mean related to the thread? Oh, I, I was actually thinking about the trauma and the difficulties oh, that you got were it. talking yeah. about earlier. Yeah. Well, so so much of my life was spent seeking. I've, I was on this quest to uncover who I was. I heard as a child voices that said I was here to do something important, you know, very early, like age five and six. And I had no idea what that was. And so always in the back of my mind, no matter how hard life was and no matter how much I wanted to leave the planet, um, this little voice said, nope, can't go. You're here to do something and you got to figure it out. And so I just kept looking over and over, you know, many trauma-filled years and a lot of seeking. And a part of why I have so many careers under my belt is because I just kept looking. I kept like, Mm, not not this one. I'm master that. Let's go on to the next thing. And, you know, it took several decades for me to realize that, oh, so, so maybe I've actually just been gaining capacity and skill here. And all these things I've learned which have healed me and helped me gain clarity are really about what I'm supposed to be doing. And um, I actually had a book fall off the shelf one time in a bookstore, Greg Lavoie's Callings book. And it was my very first book about someone else's rendition of purpose. And I realized, oh, there is actually something really here for me. And I, I was in my doctoral program. I changed the focus of my doctoral program. And I changed, I got a new transition to a new research job. And I began study. that's when I started studying human development and trying to understand how to potentiate ourselves. So what I have uncovered, you know, over all these years is that all of that trauma, every single 
opportunity or circumstance was an opportunity for me to learn something about myself that could then turn into a lesson that I could use both to heal, but also to share with my clients. And I feel like our lives are really just all those sets of circumstances, you know, one after another, we've got this huge long stack of events in our lives that are going to guide us down some path to become more and more of ourselves and less of who we are not in order to become potentiated. But most of us really try to avoid many of those things and we repress them and push them away. So I, I chose to use it all. I, I guess that's, if, if there was anything distinct about me, it's that because I had to, to stay here, but I also then ultimately chose to, I choose to use it all. I choose to use every single opportunity as a means of becoming a more alive, awake, contributing being, because I can. So I have a very good friend who is a healer and he talks about me and him uh, and many people, as weird as it sounds, as like messengers to aliens. So, so let me go with this for a second. It's because we talked about Sigourney Weaver earlier. So this is this is good. This is a, a, re a red thread for me. And um, it's that we certain people just have this obsession with understanding things. And I think Randy is one of these people too. It's like you've got to read things to understand it, to mm -hmm. get it, to to understand how it ticks, and then share it with other people, and then mm -hmm. figure out the next thing and share it with other people. So my buddy says, well, yeah, we're put here to like, you know, help aliens figure out our whole planet. Kind of a cool idea. With that in mind, uh, what will you tell the aliens if they kind of come to your ear and say, you know, give us all the secrets? What is what is your legacy here? What, what do you think you're, you're going to leave behind? Well, I'll take it a step even further. I actually do have conversations <laughs> with <laughs> with beings from other dimensions. <laughs> so um, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. I think we are sharing data. Uh, you know, I'm a scientist. Uh, sometimes I say recovering scientist. So to have come to this awareness about extraterrestrials, I have seen UFOs. Because I have this expanded awareness and consciousness, I actually can communicate. And I actually think that we're all communicating with each other and we are sharing whatever it is our our own experiences. And there was a say there was a phrase in a book by A. H. Almas, who was the founder of the Ridwan School and the Diamond Heart Spiritual Program. And in one of his books, he wrote, We are the eyes and ears of God. You know, I don't believe in God in the traditional conventional form, but I do believe in the quantum field and that we are all connected and communicating with each other. And I believe that we, so I'm actually really, I have a lot of gratitude for being, for being human. Um, I'm not a human being, I'm being human in the moment. <laughs> and I believe that we are here having these amazingly rich, powerfully sensory, uh, rich experiences that have so much more depth to them than probably many other beings out there in the cosmos. And that this um, aliveness, this enlivenment that is available on this bounteous planet is probably important somehow in the cosmic scheme of things that 
we're doing this thing being human and gathering all kinds of information and data um, that is shared widely. And I'm grateful that I can have this experience and, you know, radiate whatever it is I'm gaining here to other beings. And I, if I were to put that in a message, I'd, I'd say live fully, you know, live your delicious life, whatever is available to you in the moment, make it, make it yours, make it real, claim it and use it for your own life because we can. There's a couple of things I really love about what you just said. Um, delicious life. I, I love the concept of a, of a delicious life and living in the moment. I also love the concept of the fact that just being human is somehow contributing to the greater good universally or in, within the cosmos. It's more than just us. It's more than just this, this rock that we live on. So that, those concepts I absolutely love. Um, we like to keep these... These interviews really short and punchy. You've given us some great concepts. Before we go, a couple of things. I'd love you to tell us who you would love to speak to today and how can that person connect with you because we know that everybody is communicating. So, But how can they connect with you? So I work with people who are inspired to bring their you know, it's their soul expressions into real form through a product or service or, you know, a new life. I'm about to launch the Purpose Launch Lab, which is a purpose-driven incubator, but I work a lot with a lot of entrepreneurs and founders and change makers, visionaries, who people who are really ready to bring themselves fully to the planet through their work. They can reach me at emergenceinstitute.net. Either and there's, I actually have a number of free resources on my website for people to download and begin that path to find their own golden thread. And I'd just be delighted to speak to anybody. So I love that, Holly, and it's been a great conversation. I have to say, I misheard that last piece and then I had to rethink it. So it's it's a launch lab, not a lunch lab, right? Launch lab, yeah. It's an <laughs> it's an incubator for people who I want to. I was kidding. To, I'm just yeah, getting hungry. Okay. <laughs> That was a really bad joke to say I'm really hungry, but no, I love that. I, so it's a launch lab and explain what that is a little more. So I've, I work with people who want to uncover, rediscover their purpose and bring it into the world, into their life and into their work um, because they're ready to live more fully who they really are and do things that have meaning and have impact. And so I've taken the notion of an incubator that has primarily been for, you know, tech and other companies who um, had a product and they want to go, you know, make a bunch of money and then exit and sell and become millionaires. Everybody wants to be a unicorn. And I'm, a, I'm creating, I have created a purpose-driven incubator that who's, it's kind of turning that notion on its head as we're actually offering products in the world, products and services that are going to make a difference and bring meaning and also create a sustainable revenue for your life. But the whole notion is to create impact and fulfillment, not just money. So it's really a very different orientation to building products and services in the world to serve ourselves and humanity and have better lives. I love that. 
So thank you for talking to us, Holly. I have to say thank the you. word incubator brings me right back to the beginning of the uh, interview when I was talking about Sigourney Weaver and <laughs> Alien and the... <laughs> Sorry, I had, to, I had to do that. Thank you so much for chatting. Thank you. Us. Thank you so much. Great. Well, thank you, Holly. Uh, I've, I, I don't really know what to say about Golden Threads and Sigourney Weaver and purpose and impact. And it was a fabulous interview. Thank you so much. Aliens, if you're listening, you're welcome. And aliens, if you'd like to find out more about Randy and me, uh, please don't kidnap us or anything like that. Just you can rent our brains anytime. Just come on in through one ear or the other. Or you can visit us at thoughtpartnergroup.com. And there's a button at the top where you can take our assessment. Yeah, and we'll shoot our response to the assessment by rocket ship straight back to your planet so you can read it. Speaking of rocket ships, um, subscribe. There's a button somewhere. Hit it. <laughs>